0: this is the breakfast wrap with john moore
1: good morning it's the breakfast wrap for monday may 15th i'm john moore weather forecast for today sunny and a high of 23 degrees Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, a new poll has Olivia Chow continuing in the lead. Number two, Leafs fans lick their wounds after Friday night's loss. Number three, inside the billion-dollar deal for Volkswagen. Number four, an OPP police officer's funeral is now set for Thursday. And number five, a man is charged with attacking somebody with a python.
0: The Breakfast Wrap with John
1: Moore. Oh, hello, 5.08 on a Monday morning, Ides of May. It's the 15th. I'm not sure how we got here, but uh, here we are. And actually, what a lovely weekend weather-wise. I hope you were able to, uh, as they would say in Quebec, en profiter, to uh, take advantage of the gorgeous weather and the nice temperatures and the almost summer-like conditions. And then I also hope, I mean, I don't know that we need to spend that much time on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I hope that everybody's kind of over that. We watched Friday night and uh, it didn't go our way. And now the the Leafs are done for the season. And I guess if you want to get into the whole, and I keep coming back to this commercial that my editors at uh, one publication insisted never actually happened, but I remember it vividly. Uh, The mom making cocoa for a kid. And she says, what happened at the hockey game? He says, we lost again. And she said, but did you try? And he said, yeah. And she says, that's good enough. And I guess for some people, it is good enough that the Maple Leafs made it to the second round. That they made it to game five, but they're out. And I'm going to leave it to the likes of Matt Cause to offer some analysis on what happens next. But... I think all eyes at the moment are on management, and you know then we'll get to whether or not players need to be um, swapped out and uh, traded. But uh, Brandon Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, and Sheldon O'Keefe all may be on the bubble. And as I was preparing this morning for the show, I couldn't help but remember one of the seminal moments in our show was when um, I had Brian Burke on because he had just fired the coach. And the coach was actually a very good friend of his, but he had fired the coach. And so that interview was brokered, but I guess Brian Burke was very, very used to only being interviewed by people who had a corporate commercial interest in the Maple Leafs. So when I said, you know, do you wonder if maybe you're going to get fired? He absolutely lost it to the point where, again, all this stuff I was reflecting upon before going on the air this morning. Um, When he came out with a book last year, a memoir, he refused to be interviewed by me. And I thought, dude, you are writing a book for an extraordinarily limited audience in a country where you are lucky to sell 5,000 copies of a book. And you are turning down the opportunity to be on a show that actually interviews people who write books. But he did. Uh, So he's still kind of bitter about that. Um, but, yeah, uh, memo to all of the managers and the coach, uh, you guys may also be fired. It happens. It, it has happened before because, you know, Brian Burke ultimately did get fired. He did. And, you know, uh, there are coaches that have been fired after one or two losing seasons. Mm -hmm. And that happens in NHL, NBA and all the major sports usually. But, you know, with the Maple Leafs, for some reason, the same management comes through. And whatever the ownership decides to do, that's their business. However, as a fan, you're thinking, well, how many times can you repeat the same process over and over again? Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, get the same result. Yeah. Although I think also the question has to be asked that... You know, how many teams are there in the NHL? Is it, what, 32? Okay. So 31 of them are going to lose. Two of them are going to go down to the finals. One every of them's year, gonna win every the year this Cup.
0: happens, right? Yeah. So
1: so how I... disastrous was this? I don't know. That's why I leave it to the kind of guys who snap on a mic every day and for three, four hours talk about what's wrong with the Leafs or what ain't working with the Jays or what, whatever it may be. So I think I don't have a schedule in front of me yet, um, but I think Matt Cause is going to be joining us at some point this morning. And so I'll let Matt Cause talk about it. And he's been pretty harsh, actually, in his assessment of the Leafs. So uh, I leave it to people who understand this sort of stuff. I mean, I set up, I watched the game on Friday. My will to live was crushed like everybody else's. But then again, you know, we'll move on. And actually, I have to, um, you know, so the the Raptors are out, the Maple Leafs are out. And I was looking at a press release really early this morning, but way too early to actually understand what the heck they were talking about. But I think the Toronto Rock may be done as well. Um, you know, Nick, I see you're going for the keyboard, so you can check that out. Problem with lacrosse, which I love, uh, but haven't had a lot of time for lately. Um, is that it's a smaller footprint. So they don't go for best of seven. And the playoffs can end somewhat abruptly. Yeah, the, uh, the Rock were eliminated by the Buffalo Bandits. They stole the game from the Rock, and they're out. Uh, and Matt cause, by the way, is scheduled at seven twenty this morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're totally batting, batting clean up for me this I'm morning. I'm sorry. Useful information. This is why I, I very apologize for that. Okay. Uh, so listen, we'll delve into a bunch of things in greater detail in just a moment when we hook up with our friends at CP Twenty Four, as we do every morning at uh, around I don't know five seventeen, five eighteen. I mean, those who are really attentive about this thing will know that it actually doesn't happen at the same time on TV and on radio, but that doesn't matter. If you're in the car right now, you ain't watching the television. If you're on a treadmill somewhere, maybe you're watching the television and you get to come up with some sort of an assessment of my sartorial excellence this morning. Uh, But one of the things we'll talk about, a poll that was just unembargoed at 5 a.m., so Ashley Legasik was able to dig into it, takes a look at where Toronto mayoral candidates are placing. And the one giveaway I'll I'll provide right now, before we go into all of the numbers, is that Olivia Chow continues to lead. And I don't know what my takeaway from that is. I think a lot of it is name recognition, but maybe a lot of people feel that perhaps Olivia Chow's time has come. <laughs>
0: It's time for what Toronto is talking about. Let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, hope you had a lovely Mother's Day weekend. Uh, let's start with this one. There is a new mayoral poll out, and it's showing that one candidate is kind of standing out from the rest.
1: Absolutely right. This poll actually was under embargo until 5, so we can now report that Olivia Chow is still leading the race and apparently consolidating her lead. She's at 20% of the vote. Mark Saunders, 11%. Josh Matlow at 10%. Brad Bradford at 8%. And now, perhaps the most exciting aspect of this or most important aspect of this poll is that 32 percent of Torontonians still have not made a choice.
0: Mm-hmm. OK, uh, lots to follow there. And I think the list of candidates is now at one hundred and two. <laughs> so, oh, all right, the interesting stuff continues. Uh, turning to this now, the police funeral for uh, the OPP Sergeant Eric Mueller, who, who was killed uh, last week, is set for Thursday at the Canadian Tire Centre.
1: An all-too-familiar ritual for Ontarians, because we've had six police officers killed in the line of duty in the last six months or so. Uh, Eric Mueller, a sergeant with the OPP, aged 42, father of two, uh, will be remembered at a funeral at the Canadian Tire Centre in Ottawa on Thursday. Uh, The funeral service is not open to the public, but it will be an official police funeral. Mm
0: Okay, and we know this happened on Friday, disappointment for Leafs Nation. They fell, uh, the Leafs fell to the Panthers, and they are out of the second round. They are done. The season's done. So now the question is, who's going to get fired? Who's responsible?
1: Well, and we have to wonder, actually, Jennifer, if this is going to start in the management department. we got Brenda Shanahan, uh, Kyle Dubas, and Sheldon O'Keefe, the coach. Uh, all of them could be on the bubble. Then you get into questions about the futures of Austin Matthews and uh, Nylander and Tavares. Uh, but, yeah, I think a lot of people this morning, after having spent the weekend licking their wounds, are wondering what happens next for the Toronto Maple Leafs and whether or not they transfer their allegiances to any other team or they just give up on hockey altogether. Mm.
0: Mm, yeah, it's certainly been an emotional roller coaster for so many fans and I'm sure the players as well. Okay, and turning to some disturbing news out of Durham region, some racist posters uh, with teen girls phone numbers have been appearing in Ajax and police say that this is all in, as an act of revenge.
1: Yeah, a lot more to be learned, I think, about the exact circumstances here, except that three teenage males are facing charges. This is after they allegedly posted racist flyers that targeted two young girls in Ajax. Ontario officers say they found five flyers containing an offensive message and, more importantly, perhaps a phone number, which becomes an aspect of potential assault. And all of the accused in this case are teenagers. One of them is 18 years old, but it's Mm -hmm. still not being identified.
0: Okay. We always end with something a little interesting and bizarre. (laughs) Uh, I've seen the video of this, and I really can't believe my eyes, but a Toronto man has been arrested for allegedly assaulting someone with a live python.
1: Yeah, you may have seen the same tweet that I did, which was, is this for real? It was video of a guy, apparently with a snake, apparently a live snake, who was attacking somebody. Police say the man used a snake to attack a victim, but did not provide details about the nature of that assault or whether anybody was injured in all of this. The suspect is charged both with one count of assault and uh, unnecessarily um, providing pain or suffering to an animal. Mm -hmm. So uh, at its core, it's actually a really, really sad story. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm just struggling to wait to see if my friend Bill can make it through (laughs) a segment without giggling about it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Bill, I don't know. Have you seen this (laughs) video? He's like pistol (laughs) taking a snake. and using I heard it as about a
1: rope. it. I heard about it, but I I, uh, I always wait till John <laughs> kind of weaves in all the magic of the story to you know all those details. Um, yeah, poor snake, and, and yeah. I don't know what happened to the guy who got um, beaten by the snake. Is he okay?
0: Is he... Yeah, I, okay. I think he's you know no fatalities. But when you look at the video, all you think immediately is poor snake. That snake is alive, and he's yeah he's taken a beating as well.
1: He is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we okay. we hope all. all I'll go. I'll, turns out well for a man and snake. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay. Okay. All <laughs> Thanks, right. Thank you, John. Thanks so much, John. <laughs>
1: Hopefully not. See, I knew I was setting Bill up for considerable jeopardy. But yeah, it's actually, while it seems funny at first blush, the idea of some guy attacking somebody with a snake, because it lends itself to all kinds of uh, uh, metaphor and imagery. Uh, at its core is a guy abusing an animal. And I will have to say, and and this is coming from a guy who knows a guy who's a, what do they call them, herpetologist, snake specialist. I'll never know how his wife managed this, but he breeds snakes. And so he's got all these plastic cubbies in a room in his house. And his house is replete with snakes. And I've never really understood people who... Um, consider snakes to be friendly or have sort of an intimate relationship. I just, they and, you know, it's kind of like people who own pit bulls. I've never quite understood that either, even though they always say they're such sweet animals until they eat another dog or a kid. It's 5.24, lots of other things to talk about this morning, including we're to, I think, pay tribute to all the people who uh, ran in the Sporting Life 10K yesterday. And Brian Lilly has an interesting article uh, on the weekend, about how Rogers has extended its contract for cell phones in the subway system. And the rest of us, who may not be Rogers' clients, are still saying, okay, when do we get some of this?
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: 5.37 on a Monday morning. Look at that, we're halfway through the month of May. Which actually... Well, I'm not going to philosophize too much on this. I just... I keep thinking we had such a nice weekend weather-wise and it was already almost like summer and the trees are starting to pop. Mind you, for people with allergies, it is heck on wheels. I um, got into the car on the weekend and there was this green-yellow film on the windshield, which is all based on the pollen that's popping out from the trees. And more than a few people that I know were having just the worst allergy attacks this weekend. But back to the nice weather. The fact that we're only halfway through the month of May, and it's already as lovely as it is, I am just totally jazzed about spring and summer. And I didn't get the bike out, but I will. Uh, Maybe even today. i got to pump up the tires and uh, just start hitting the trails, because I want to make the most out of summer. I complained enough, as you well know, about winter. So, time to enjoy spring and summer. Ashley Legasik and I were just going back and forth via email, and that was over the fact that uh, she said that 30% of voters were supporting Chow. And I said, wait a second, I got 20%. She said, yeah, but I'm talking about decided voters. Oh, okay, so those are the figures you're going to go with, and it's worth visiting those figures. Because 32% of voters are undecided, which comes as no surprise whatsoever to me um bumped into a friend on the weekend and he said how do you think the election is going i said i don't know he said who are you going to vote for i said i don't know and i don't i really don't and i won't tell you when i decide anyway but you know we have probably six to, if you want to be generous ten candidates who are the front runners And all of whom would not be an unqualified mayor. I mean, there are people on the list who are just there as a joke. There's a guy who's running on behalf of his dog. Uh, There are other people, and I don't necessarily need to pick on them, but who are running as a vanity project. There are people who are polling at one and zero percent, mostly because nobody considers them to be legitimate contenders. But then you know, there is a short list of people who are fairly compelling, who I think wouldn't be bad mayors, but at the same time, I'm not convinced necessarily. Um, Something I've come back to on numerous occasions is I think all of the candidates, all of them with, you know, with love and respect to those who are listening right now, I think all of them are about 75% qualified for the job or would be 75% good at it. Now, they may learn on the job and become good mayors. I just don't think that there's somebody here who is like, ah, okay, that person as my mayor, I'm good. I I can tune out. They're going to run the city. And, you know, before I get into the figures, if I can say once again, there is something absolutely charming and comforting about Jennifer McKelvey the deputy mayor who's currently serving as the mayor. And there is just something so ordinary, banal and competent about how things have been unfolding over the last little while that I think some people wish they could vote for her. Um, But you know, her tweets are just, this road is closed today. We're putting in a new sewer system over here. Uh, Don river's a little high right now, whatever. Um, If you follow the deputy mayor on Twitter It's just, you know, the city is being run right now, and I guess there's a lot to be said for being the person in charge who does not have to campaign for the job, in which case all of their decisions are entirely rational rather than, oh, how's this going to work? Because actually, let me let you in on something that I only recently learned, and, um, you know, I can't tell you who I learned it from because that would give everything up, but... When the federal cabinet meets, they hold a meeting and all of the, you know, consultants and advisors and rapporteurs and whoever else are all in the room and they debate stuff on the merits of policy. And then there is a portion of the cabinet meeting um, that that is basically political. And so quite frequently... All of the other people are flushed out, except for the cabinet ministers and the political advisors. And then they talk about it. like they say, okay, um, we actually think it's good policy to support Ukraine, but is that going to damage us in any writings? Or we you know, we want to do this, that, or the other thing about the convoy protesters, whatever it is. And they debate it from a political perspective about are we going to win or lose seats? And I, you know, I was absolutely fascinated to learn that aspect and to be able to uh, reveal that apparently um, Stephen Harper never flushed anybody out of the room back in the day. And as a matter of fact, spent very little time on the political aspects of things. So all that to say that, you know, when it comes to the current person serving as mayor of Toronto, there's almost nothing political about it, unless I guess she favors one candidate or another. Um, She just makes choices on the basis of what she thinks is going to be good for the city. And that's kind of cool. Okay. So amongst decided voters, because the figures I was giving you in the last half hour were based on um, undecided, included the undecided, which is 32% of the population. So uh, when it comes to factoring in undecided, 20% go for Chow. But if we begin to apportion those who have made a choice already, Olivia Chow is at 30%, which is actually three points higher than she was last week. Uh, Mark Saunders, 16%, no change. Josh Matlow, 15%, down 1%. Brad Bradford, 12%, no change. Uh, Mitzi Hunter, up 2 and uh, Anna Bailao, minus two, at uh, 7%. 7% of decided voters are going for Anna Bailao. And that's about the extent of my analysis, because I don't think we need to read that much more into this, except I think it makes perfect sense that the frontrunners are Chow, Saunders, Matlow, Bradford, Hunter, and Bailao. And the only additional takeaway from that would be that uh, Matlow is still doing pretty well for a guy who is, how do I characterize this? I mean, when he was in studio, I said, listen, you know, you're not well liked on Council. And he said, I'm not here to be liked by Council, I'm here to get stuff done. But for a guy who tends to be a bit of a hot flame from time to time, Matlow's doing okay. Uh, Also I think the takeaway would be Bradford and Hunter. Uh, Bradford for a guy who's running three years before he planned to run, he's not doing badly. Hunter, I think, improved her position um, by finally resigning from Queens Park. Because that says I'm I'm in this. You know, I'm I, I'm giving up a job, and I'm gonna run for a job. I don't have a lot of hope of winning, but I'm gonna run as hard as I can. And the last thing would be that Bailao, who was one of the first people into the race, and certainly has been considered to be a front runner, just doesn't seem to have that traction yet.
0: Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: Lots and lots of stories to unpack today. And I realized, you know, at first blush, I think probably a lot of people would snicker about this thing of a guy assaulting somebody with a python. But at the core of it, is an animal, and I've already said so, I I don't understand why people consider snakes to be cuddly. Uh, Whenever you see somebody with a snake wrapped around their neck, walking through the downtown, my first instinct is there's something not quite right with that person. And the use of a snake, which was in all likelihood injured in all of this, to attack somebody is actually unspeakable. Uh, Suspect has been charged both with assaulting a a person, but also causing unnecessary pain or suffering to an animal. Uh, Tim Hudak has an interesting article today. We'll probably talk with him about it. And it's uh, all about this proposal for a cooling off period for home sales. And I tend to agree with uh, Tim's analysis here. Now, you know, it informs things. Tim Hudak is writing as the head of the Ontario Real Estate Association. But he divides the buyer's remorse categories into buying a new home, which has not even yet been built, and a resale home. And like I said, I, I think his analysis is really sound here. What he's proposing is, you know, you go in, And you see some fancy pants trumped up version of a home you might eventually live in built inside some sort of a fake structure or maybe you actually there's, you know, one of all of the projects that are going to be completed in a given development is finished and you go in and you look at it and it's beautiful and the sun is streaming through the windows and the counters are gleaming and everything's fantastic, and you start selecting finishes, and then you sign a deal and make a deposit, and maybe you decide that you kind of feel you got rushed into it. So you have a period of time during which you can cool off and go back and say, you know what, no. And, you know, no developer is going to be bankrupt under that procedure. However, what if... It's a resale home and you walk in and you love it and uh, gleaming countertops and all the usual stuff and lovely backyard. Dog's going to run around there. Kids are going to love it. Okay, let's do it. Now, the thing there is you're not being sold by a property developer. You chose. You walked into this house and you said, yeah, we want to make an offer. And worse yet, if you pull out, it's quite possible that other bidders have already moved on to other properties. So the sales, the person who's doing the selling is the one who's impoverished by that cooling off period. And totally agree, to be perfectly honest. If, you know what, my whole thing in in every category, but especially when it has come to job offers and home sales and stuff like that, it's always been never make a deal or an offer that you cannot back or you don't intend to back. So whenever we have bid on a house, for example, I've never you know, overbid with the hopes of not getting it or underbid with the thought that I would like to lose this property. Just always be serious about it. And i always remember the first home that we bought, we made the offer based on what we were prepared to pay and what we thought it was worth. And it was a Friday night, and we were sitting at home, and I heard this thunk. We were in a second-story duplex. I heard this thunk on the floor of something had come through the letter slot. And I went down and opened the envelope, and it said our offer had been rejected. And I thought, okay, fine. That's what we were prepared to pay for this house, and you didn't want it, so we're not making a deal. Six months later, we bought the house for $2,000 more. Brian Lilly writing in the Toronto Sun this weekend about how Rogers has managed to extend its subway cell service deal by 10 years. Now, it doesn't necessarily inform the fact that I work for Bell, I'm a shareholder, but still, uh, it's a little irksome to look at the architecture of all of this, which is the TTC made a deal with an Australian company that does not actually even have cell phone service in Canada, or or a cell phone company in Canada. Uh, However, it's worth noting, um, they have deals all over the world, apparently they're the big deal when it comes to signing deals with transit systems and providing cell phone service and then finding the providers and getting them to sign up uh, to provide the the actual service. Um, But the TTC made this deal in 2012 with BAI of Australia. And then the only company BAI had a deal with was Freedom Mobile. And none of the other companies signed on because they said that they didn't think that the infrastructure was good enough and they weren't willing to pay the penalty. So flash forward to this year where Rogers buys BAI. So now Rogers by default is going to have cell phone service in the subway system. And now the TTC, without board approval, I might add, the TTC, some of the senior officers, have made a deal to extend Rogers' deal by 10 years. So, as Brian writes, instead of a current contract ending in 2032, it will run until 2042, according to an internal TTC memo obtained by the Sun, 2042. We have reached the point where government deals, long-term deals, I look at them and think, will I even still be alive? That's The Breakfast Wrap, thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore, I hope we'll talk again soon.
0: You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from five to nine on News Talk 1010.